Good morning, Thrive Church. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 18 this morning as we continue our series in the parables of Jesus. I have a question to ask you. Why is it that we usually attack others in things that we don't struggle with? What is it about our human nature that causes us to want to attack other people in maybe the areas that we're not weak in? And let me ask you one more question as we kick off this message today. Why is it that we often want to make others look bad to make ourselves look better? And this is the very thing Jesus dealt with when he shared a parable with his listeners that Luke recorded in Luke chapter uh, 18. If you've joined us recently, we've been in a series in the parables of Jesus studying these teachings. Uh, A parable is a heavenly story with one earthly meaning that Jesus was trying to get across to those that were listening to him. He used this teaching and this tactic because it was a very, very good way of helping his listeners apply the teachings that God wanted them to live. It's a good way of explaining the kingdom of God. And Luke actually records the parable we're going to look at today about the Pharisee and the tax collector in the midst of several other parables that you have to understand. And so Jesus begins by teaching about the persistent widow. And this persistent widow pursues the judge day and night until finally the judge is like, look, take it, lady. I don't want it anymore. And then Jesus talks about little children coming to him. And the disciples were upset that children were coming to Jesus. And then Jesus teaches his disciples about childlike faith. And then in the middle of all that, Jesus brings in this teaching about a Pharisee and a tax collector. If you were titling Luke chapter 18, you could probably call it How to Approach God, Jesus' Way. And so he shares this story in Luke chapter 18 that you've probably heard before, which is actually one of my favorite parables out of all the ones that Jesus has shared because it's so illustrative of the heart that we should have when we approach God. And Luke chapter 18 verse 9 says this, It says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and they scorned everyone else. So look at the audience that Jesus was talking to. He knew that, hey, look, the guys that I'm talking to, they they have great, um, you know, importance of righteousness. They believe they are self-righteous. They have confidence in their own righteousness that, man, they are good enough. And not only that, but but Luke also shares that they also scorned everyone else. So they thought of themselves really highly, and then they began to attack everyone else around them. So here's the story that he gives them. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, which is a Jewish religious leader of the highest order. They were viewed as the most spiritual people in all the kingdom. And it says this, that one was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Realize that tax collectors in that day and time weren't like our Chesterfield County or Richmond City or Henrico County tax collectors of this day and time, right? It was different. They actually were Jews who extorted their own people to give to the hated Roman government. So they would actually uh, charge you more so they could make more money that they didn't have to. And they were usually very rich and they were hated because they took advantage of their own people. It says the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. 
I thank you, God. I have to do that voice, right? Because that's just the way I imagine him praying. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, it says here, stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And here's what Jesus said to that group listening had great confidence in their own righteousness and they scorned everyone else he says i tell you this sinner not the pharisee return home justified before god for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted jesus to this group of people is sharing with them the very thing I asked you questions about. They often attacked others where they didn't feel like they were weak at. And they often made others look bad to make themselves look better as Jewish religious leaders. And so Jesus continues this idea of approaching God and how to approach God. And he was reframing and reconstructing the Jewish mindset about how we should approach God. And you've got to realize how big this is. The Pharisees were like, people took their cues from them. They're like, okay, if they're praying, okay, if they're praying like this, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to pray like this. Like, when I first started going to church, like, I kind of looked at, like, the, 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 the men of the church that were leaders and, like, okay, they're, okay, they're clapping. Okay, they're clapping like this. Okay, I'm going to clap like this. Like, you know, I was taking my cues from them. Okay, if they kneel to pray and their hands are like this, I'm going to do it. Okay, this guy, this must be really spiritual because his hands are, I was taking my cues. That's what all the Jews did. They were taking their cues from these other religious leaders. And so for Jesus to actually call them out, to put them on blast, was crazy. I mean, you could have seen all the regular people that weren't Jewish religious leaders going, oh, like, I can't believe he just did that. Like, can you believe Jesus just called the Pharisees out? Yeah, Johnny, I mean, texted, I can't believe it. I just heard it too. Man, what a crazy teaching. But he did that. And what I want you to realize today, that we have a lot in common with these Pharisees. You do this, and I do this. And what happens is, is that we use the the argument of equivocation, or we like to, again, make others look bad to make ourselves look better. And so I had one pastor say it this way. He said, you don't have to throw shade to make yourself shine. Right? You don't have to throw shade to make yourself shine. And that's what the, the, the Pharisee did. He did that. And here's what we do. We'll say, well, I may cuss a lot, but at least I don't steal anything. Well, you know what? I may battle porn, but at least I'm not like those homosexuals. Well, you know what? Uh, I may be racist, and I may you know, not like that, those people, but at least I'm not an abortionist. Or, you know what? Uh, I may go around you know, telling lies, but at least I'm not this. Well, you know, see, what is that for you? And I used extremes to get your attention. That's what Jesus did. He used extremes to say, oh, because that's what we do. We'll say, yeah, I may do this, but at least I'm not that. Because we want to minimize our sin and make ourselves feel comfortable with our sin. 
I may drink one, you know, I may drink, but at least I'm not out there doing this. At least I'm not a stripper. Like, you know, like we just use this argument of equivocation all the time. We want to throw shade to make ourselves shine. And we do this not only to other people, we do this to God. And so as you look at this parable and you're kind of you know, saying, what can I get from this? There are two men here trying to find justification before God and before others. And so here's the question. Your, today, your big idea is a question. I want you to write this down because here's the question that we have to answer in life. What justifies you before God and with others? What justifies you before God and with others. I say this all the time because what we're trying to do is we're all trying to justify ourselves before God. And to be honest, you're always trying to justify yourself before others. That's what we do. And so we always will, again, whatever we do, we'll try to make others look bad to make ourselves look better. Or we'll compare ourselves to someone worse to make ourselves look better in God's eyes. And that is what the Pharisee was doing. And so when you look at these two men, there's some attributes, some things that they did that you've got to pay attention to. The Pharisee, first of all, here's what he did. He compared himself to people worse than him in God's eyes. He compared himself to other people that were worse than him in God's eyes, you know, for what he thought. He called them sinners, adulterers, cheaters, like, and even that tax collector over there. He looked at that other person and said, God, you accept me because I'm better than them. The comparison trap. And that's what we do. We compare ourselves to others to make ourselves feel better. And we even do that to God. We even do that with our sin. And we rationalize it. And here's the second thing that the Pharisee did. He appealed to God on the basis of his personal good works. He appealed to God. Oh God, I fast twice a week and I tithe. I give a tenth of my income. He approached God on how good he was, how much he did for the kingdom, on how, how good that he looked before God, all the good things that he did. And you know, we do the same thing as well. Sometimes we approach God and you say, Oh God, you know how hard I serve you. You know how much I love you, God. Or you do this for other people. I remember we were praying for someone one time, and I remember hearing someone say, you know how many years so-and-so served you faithfully, God. You know all the good things. And God doesn't look at your resume. God never, I've said this before, I'll say it again, he'll never look at your resume of the past to determine the results of the future. And so especially the good things about your resume. Oh, God, you know all that I've done for you except me. I ask this question all the time because I don't want any of you to ever miss it. When you get to heaven and God says, well, why should I let you into my kingdom? If it's anything but Jesus, if it's anything but Jesus, then you have failed the test. If, if I show up and say, God, I preached the gospel faithfully for all of my years, God will be like, eh, has nothing to do with it. So you can't appeal to God based on your good works. Now look at the juxtaposition of this tax collector. There's a couple things this tax collector did and a couple things that he said. And the first thing the tax collector did was this. His sin brought him sorrow. So when he stands before God, he was actually remorseful about sin. You know what we do? We justify our sin. We justify the reason we cuss somebody out. We justify the reason in anger we get offended and we, you know, we leave the church or we get mad at our spouse. Or we throw something. Or we kick the dog, right, or kick the cat. Don't you kick a dog. You can always kick a cat. I'm joking. Maybe not. You will never know if you can kick a cat or not. You know I don't like cats. 
But what we do is this. We often, we often aren't sorrowful about our sin. See, I had, I had one guy say it this way. He said, it's not the depth of our sin that hurts God the most. It's the shallowness of our repentance. Sometimes it's not the thing that we do that hurts God the most. It's how we feel about the thing that we do. And the tax collector was very aware of his sinfulness. He was very aware of where he stood with God. Many of you in here don't realize that you are a wicked sinner. Your heart is desperately wicked. You're not a good person getting better. You're a bad person that God needs to transform and make new. So he was sorrowful about his sin. Here's the second attribute about that uh, tax collector. He appealed to God's mercy instead of his works. So when he stood before God, the tax collector appealed to God based on how good he actually was. Oh, God, (coughs) you know how good I am. You know all the good things I do. The tax collector beat his chest and asked for the mercy of God. And so Jesus shows them who God accepts, how to approach God with this. The tax collector appealed to God based on God's mercy alone. See, that's one of the things that you have to understand about uh, Christianity. It's about mercy and grace. Many of us don't understand it. We secretly believe that we deserve blessings. We deserve favor. There's a whole movement out there that just makes you believe that you deserve it and money should come to you and grace and favor should just come to you and things should come to you. And the basis of Christianity is we don't deserve anything. We are wicked sinners who God should have given his wrath to. Instead, he chooses to give mercy to us. And he gives us grace. You know what grace is? Grace is is what we don't deserve, the good things we don't deserve, especially when it comes to salvation. That's what grace is. You know, Paul says it's for by grace you've been saved through your faith. It's by grace you've been saved. And many of us don't understand grace. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said it this way in Romans chapter 4. He says this, When people work, Their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned, right? So if you go work at your job, you expect to earn some money. But people are counted as righteous, right? Watch this. Not because of their work. Not because they've been so good that week. If you believe that God has given you anything because you've been so good, you've missed the whole point of Jesus Christ and Christianity and faith and all of that. Here's what he says. But because of their faith in God, who does what? Who forgives sinners. Like, like the beauty of that is this. You're counted as righteous not because of your works. Your works produce righteousness But your works can never gain you righteous standing with God. You are blessed because Jesus Christ did the work on the cross. Anything that you receive from God is grace and mercy. And so I want you to write this down. This is so important about grace. If you believe you deserve God's grace, then it is no longer grace. I'm going to say it one more time and I'm going to explain this. If you believe you deserve God's grace or God's gracious gifts or anything or, or ministry, whatever God's doing, it is no longer grace if you believe you deserve it. 
I tell you all the time, the very fact that I get to stand on this stage is the grace of God. I am so grateful because I should not be here. I don't deserve it. See, uh, I, I was talking the other day with my son, and I'm teaching him about the concept of grace. And he doesn't understand, like, spirituality yet. Like, he's getting some of it. It's kind of abstract. And so, you know, um, I talk in his terms. So what I'm teaching him, I'm actually teaching him the earthly ideas of all of this. So one day when it gets to the spiritual, he says, yeah, you've been teaching me this my whole life. I've, I've always understood this. And so what happens is this here. I'm teaching him about grace, right? And so he was really, really mean to me. He was upset to me. He was angry. He was screaming. He was crying. And I said, son, you've lost privileges. Okay, that's your consequences. And oh, man, he just went to a tizzy. If you have a four or five-year-old man, you know how they do, right? And he's just like, it's like the world's over. It's all over. You know what? Later on, I said, son, I'm going to give you this cookie. He says, why? I says, you don't deserve it, do you? He says, no, I, I don't deserve it. I said, this is called grace. I'm going to give you something good that you do not deserve. Matter of fact, you worked yourself against it. That's what we did in God's eyes with our sin. But because I love you, I'm going to give you grace. And so now he will appeal to grace. He doesn't understand grace with Christianity yet. He'll say, but Dada, what about grace? All right? Like he understands this thing. So the other day we were um, at my mother-in-law's and, and, and he did something he was not supposed to do. And I said, all right, bud, you lost it. Sorry. You don't get it. And time goes on, and he said, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm just really sorry. He's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I said, I will. I said, son, um, do, you, do you deserve this here? It was, again, it was candy. It's always candy, right, with kids. He says, no. I said, well, because you don't deserve it, and before I could finish my sentence, my mother-in-law steps in. She's a wonderful grandmother, and she says, oh, he's a good boy. He deserves this. Don't you tell him he, don't, he doesn't deserve it. Oh, no, and I said, time out. I said, if he deserves it, it's no longer grace. If he's a good little boy who should deserve it, I said, he is a, he's a boy that I love, but he's not been good in this situation, but he's going to understand, understand grace, that he does not deserve it. And we have this movement around the world right now that people actually believe that they deserve, that you're a good person and good. God just loves everyone because we're good people and we're only getting better. And can I tell you something? That is not Christianity. We don't deserve it. The tax collector beat his chest and said, I don't deserve it. God, give me mercy because I'm a sinner. And my fear is that so many of us are going to have this mentality. Oh, we do deserve blessings. We deserve favor. We deserve all of this. That's new age religion. That's not Christianity. That's paganism. That's not Christianity. Christianity is this, my friends. I don't deserve anything that God has given me. And that's why we worship. That's why we lift our hands. That's why tears should, should flow from your eyes because you are in touch with yourself and your depth of your sin, just like that tax collector. And the very fact that God would count you as righteous because of not of your works, but because he forgives sinners. And so here's what we have to do, guys, in our life. We have to understand this. We cannot become this Pharisee. And my fear is, is that many of us will continue on this Pharisaical type of lifestyle. That we'll continue to live like Pharisees. And so how do we become that Pharisee? And here's what we do. By grading ourselves on the curve, we become a Pharisee. When you begin to grade yourself on the curve, you become a Pharisee. 
You begin to discount grace. You're no longer walking in mercy, grace, and peace. You're walking in your own works and your own judgment of how you're better than someone else. And you grade yourself on the curve. Matter of fact, if I had a title for this message, is this, God doesn't grade on the curve. See, Christianity at the heart of it, of it is pass or fail. It's A or F. There is no A Christians, B Christians, C Christians, D Christians, and F Christians, right? There's none of that. There's none like, well, if I can just get a C, C's get degrees. You've heard that if you've been in college, right? There's none of that. Either you're justified before God or you're not. Either you are redeemed or you're not. Either you have surrendered your heart to Christ, the gospel has transformed you, and you understand grace, and now grace has empowered you to live your life for the gospel, and God is transforming you, or you're not. It's not like, yeah, man, I believe in Jesus, the Bible, and prayer, and I'm a good person. And so, therefore, my belief in Jesus and doing good things will get me brownie points before God. It's going to help me get to become a B Christian. See, um, I was a part of a movement early on in my faith that actually kind of made me feel like a junior varsity Christian. So they kind of had, like, junior varsity, varsity, and then, like, the Hall of Fame of Christians. And so in our church, like, I just always wanted, you know, I always believed I was a less than Christian because I didn't have the spiritual gifts or maybe I didn't do what others did or maybe, you know, they, or maybe they had visions from God and that all these things happened and I didn't have that stuff. And so I always felt like maybe I was less than. And many people believed that they were maybe junior varsity Christians and maybe one day, if they worked hard enough, they could be on the varsity team for God. And can I tell you this? There's no letterman jackets in the kingdom. Either you're redeemed or you're not. And if if you're truly redeemed, let me tell you something, works will flow from that. See, works follow believers. Believers don't follow works. Jesus said in Mark that these signs will follow believers, that, that when you surrender to Christ, there is evidence of the fruit of the gospel. You are living your life for Jesus. Let me tell you something, God will never grade you on the curve. Either you're a sinner in need of grace and you're appealing and you're approaching to God based on his mercy alone. Or you believe secretly that you are on an upper echelon because you're judging other people. You're looking at others and saying, yeah, well, I'm more spiritual. I'm more this. I'm more that. And can I tell you something? God detests that. And so I'm going to give you a few thoughts this morning kind of on in our life, what we have to do. How do we not become the Pharisee and how do we look like that tax collector? These are things that I do in my life to help me. And the first thing I want you to write down is this. Compare yourself to perfection in, un, in order to understand grace. Compare yourself to perfection in order to understand grace. See, when people that don't want to receive Christ say, well, I don't want to follow Jesus. I, I believe I can get to heaven and me and God are good. What they're actually saying is they believe that they're perfect. God only accepts perfection. Only perfect people will get to heaven. Let me explain that. So what they believe is, they believe actually they're accepted in God's eyes because they're perfect. Well, yeah, because what they do is, yeah, but I don't, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, yeah, man, I, mean, I, I may look at some porn, but I'm not Dahmer, right? I mean, come on, you know, like, I may cheat on my taxes, but you know what? Hey, I'm not Adolf Hitler, you know, I mean, hey, the hell is reserved for those guys. And what we do is, we actually begin to think we are perfect in God's eyes. In order to understand grace, understand this, God accepts perfection or nothing. That's why it took the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. In the Old Testament, 
they had to bring, in the Jewish culture, they had to bring that perfect lamb, that sacrifice for the kingdom. And they had to bring it without spot or blemish before God to be forgiven. And he was slaughtered. Jesus, it says, was that lamb for us. So understand this. When you're looking at what does God accept, he accepts perfection. If you've believed upon Christ, God doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. So if you understand what grace really is, just compare yourself to perfection. And then you'll understand I can never make it to the kingdom based on my own works. Here's the second thought that I want you to write down is this. If you want to be more like the tax collector than the Pharisee, be gracious and forgiving to others. Be gracious and forgiving to others. Um, can I tell you, I just want to be super, super honest and transparent. Um, I get worn down, like as a pastor, like emotionally completely worn down. And, and here's what I get worn down with. I'm going to be honest with you, the days that I want to go ahead and just tender my resignation to ministry and never do ministry again, here's why I want to do that. I'm going to be super, super honest with you. It's because Christians get so offended and they're so unforgiving toward other Christians. It's what it is. It breaks my heart. It's like, you know, you expect more, like, from these believers. But it's like, man, you're so easily offended. And you find it so hard to forgive someone. You hold grudges and bitterness. And I watch people do this with their exes or with the people, if you're going through a separation or divorce. And you, like, won't forgive that person. You won't forgive those you're serving with in ministry. You're hard on them. You criticize them. You point the finger at them. How dare they? And rah, rah, rah. And you're just, and I'm kind of tell you something. If you cannot forgive people and be gracious to people, stop serving God right now. Jesus said, if you're at odds with God, I mean, at odds with people, you're at odds with God. And the thing that breaks my heart is you think by serving God, he accepts your sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. God has called you to be gracious and forgiving toward others. But what we tend to do, we're just like that Pharisee. And what we do to others is we think God accepts us because we think we're better than that other person's weakest point. God sees your weakest points too. And the beautiful thing is he accepts you fully. At your weakest. And we should accept others as well. And it's the people that are closest to you that's hardest to forgive. Some of you are in marriages that you have bitterness and resentment and you unforgiveness. And you think that God's cool with it. And God's not cool with it. Kevin, you're pretty passionate about this. Yes, I am. Because I'm watching modern day Pharisees. Where you think serving on a worship team. And you can still hold bitterness and resentment and anger against others and unforgiveness against others. And God, you think serving as a greeter, you think going on a mission trip, you think all these things you're doing, God's like, hey, I, I love what you're doing. There's, hey, you're getting extra credit on this one because of what you're doing. Can I tell you something? The Pharisee was unforgiving and he was not gracious toward others. You don't know what others are going through. You don't know the personal anxiety they're facing. You don't know the internal struggle that, that they are facing in their life. And you're judging them. And you're pointing and wagging your finger at them. You've never paused to think about. You've, you don't seek to understand what's happening in your life. See, if somebody's hurting you, hurting people hurt people. Remember we said before, hurting people hurt people, forgiving people forgive people. If you've been forgiven much, you'll forgive much. Be gracious and forgiving to others. Quit judging the tax collectors of your life and then thinking God's cool with you doing that. He's not. And here's the, the final thought. 
this morning. If you're going to approach God, appeal to the mercy of God through Christ. Appeal to the, mer- to the mercy of God through Christ. What we have to do is stop appealing to God based on everything else. Stop appealing to God based on your feelings. Oh, you feel good this week. You've had a good week. You can come and just, man, you go stay on that front row and everybody's going to know that you love Jesus because you've had a great week and you feel good. It's when you've had your worst weeks. It's when you don't feel like it that you need to go approach God. Because the only reason we can all approach God, the only reason any of us can gather and worship and lift our hands, the only reason we can pray to our Creator is because a holy God has accepted an unholy sinful people because of Christ our mediator. That's just the only reason. And when you come to God in prayer, you should always pause and say, God, I am so grateful that you, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, holy and perfect, have allowed me to approach you because I have no right to approach you. God, you are so beautiful and awesome because you have chosen to forgive this sinner who didn't receive it. See, when you look at this parable here, there's two things that have to happen. How you approach God and how you interact with others. That's what, the, that's what Christianity is. The first thing I want you to understand is as we leave here, and we go about our days, that I want your spiritual life to be enriched by this message, that your prayer life, even the way you approach God, is just like the tax collector. God, I can't believe you'd accept me. I cannot believe you would let me ask you for things. How amazing is that? And the second thing we have to do is to stop comparing, stop throwing shade to make yourself shine. It doesn't work that way. You need to go ahead and be as gracious and forgiving to others as you are yourself. And yes, that's the people in your life that don't deserve it because that's grace. Your ex probably doesn't deserve it. You're separated. They probably don't deserve it, right? The people in your life who hurt you at that job, they don't deserve it. There's Your family members who have done you wrong don't deserve it. But grace is this, understanding that you are a sinner that you have been forgiven much and you'll forgive much. So my prayer for you is, guys, is that you will become much more like this tax collector in approaching God than the Pharisee. And you would have a tax collector's approach to all those around you. Now, if you will, stay tuned for our next steps.